It's not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension. There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Tom Tiger. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero show. We're coming to you from the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast on the internet at 3cr.org.au. Both the BZE Community Show and this show are now also available on iTunes and Stitcher. Please subscribe and rate us to help others find the shows. My name is Natalie Bucknell and I'm joined today by my co-host Kay Wenigal. Hi Nat. Hi listeners. Hi Kay. Great to be in the studio with you again. Yes, it is. BZE have made it their business to work on practical solutions to emissions problems and team up with other organisations where possible to achieve this. Last week, we heard about impact assessments of BZE reports, and today's interview effectively forms a case study of some of the significant influence the reports can have. Our guest today, Matthew Brennan, the Head of Sustainability at Transurban, has a long history of environmental and sustainability management in the corporate sector. On the strength of the BZE report, Rethinking Cement, last year, Transurban commissioned BZE to look at their materials use as part of their overall carbon reduction strategy. And the result was another report for Transurban, Rethinking Cement Use in Australian Urban Motorways. Hi, Matt. Thanks for joining us today. Hello, Natalie. Hello, Kay. Great to be here. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Most people would have heard of Transurban, Matt and would associate it with toll roads, but they're probably not entirely aware of the size and scope of the enterprise. Can you give us a bit of an overview? Uh, Sure can, Natalie. Uh, So Transurban is an owner, operator uh, and developer of urban toll roads uh, in Australia, also in the USA and Canada. We've got 17 uh, existing roads and we've got uh, about another eight uh, that are currently under development. Uh, we're listed on the Australian Stock Exchange and uh, we're an organisation uh, with about 1,500 uh, employees. And uh, our purpose is to strengthen communities through transport. 1,500 employees yeah, across three different countries. Yeah, That's right. Certainly had no idea of the scope of that. How long has the organisation been running? Uh, since 1996 and it started in Melbourne. Okay. Well, so it's homegrown. So you're the head of sustainability. How long has Transurban had a sustainability group? Uh, I think there's been a group um, of sorts. It may not have been called a sustainability group in the past, but I think it's been going, there's been a focus there for at least 14 years. And how many people are in the group and what what is the group trying to achieve? Uh, There's four of us. Uh, We're a small team and uh, our role is to uh, facilitate sustainability action across the organisation plus also to to lead some specific initiatives ourselves. So that's organisation-wide, not just in Australia? That's right, yes. So is it only the sustainability group that pays attention to carbon emissions or what, what is your sustainability focus and, and how Look, does that it play certainly out? isn't just us. We, uh, our, our main role is to set the strategy to, uh, to consult right across the organisation to see what we can do to improve our sustainability outcomes all the time. And uh, we, we need to work right the way across the organisation uh, to embed sustainability uh, throughout all of our business practices. So whether that be procurement 
or whether that be the actual operations or development uh, of our road assets, um, we work with those teams to get the best possible environmental and social outcomes. So, Matt, can we get into why Transurban is interested in sustainability and carbon emissions? That's a really good question, Kay. Uh, So, firstly, it's really around doing what's right. And for an organisation, a corporate organisation to be successful these days, you need the support of communities where you operate. You also need the support of government uh, investors and employees. So if we don't do the right thing, uh, and by that I mean a a good sustainability approach and and solid outcomes, we won't be able to sort of uh, go to government and convince them to work with us to develop a new road. If they think that there'll be community opposition through uh, bad uh, corporate practices in the past, you just won't get those opportunities going forward. So that's one of the key reasons. The other key reason is um, commercially, it makes great sense uh, to have a sustainability approach. You can get cost reductions. You can avoid risks going forward. Uh, for example, things like you know increases in the, uh, in the price of energy. So if you didn't have an energy efficiency program in place, you'd be more exposed to that or um, uh, climate change risks as well. If you haven't properly addressed those, then they may turn around and become um, a very significant cost of doing business in the future. But there's also around things like uh, making yourself uh, making yourself as an organisation, as a listed organisation, attractive to investors and also uh, to attract and retain employees. So it, there's a very well-rounded business case for a strong sustainability agenda. So I'd like to drill down into some of those a little bit more. But before we do, before the show, you mentioned a four-pillar approach to your sustainability strategy. Can you give us a quick overview of that? That's right, Natalie. Um, So uh, Transurban is uh, very strongly committed to the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And our commitment to those came off the back of our uh, membership of the United Nations Global Compact. So uh, there are 17 goals And uh, we've looked at those goals and identified that nine of those are particularly important or material uh, to Transurban. And so we refreshed our sustainability strategy uh, to group those relevant goals into four areas. And so those four areas are people, planet, places and partnerships. And so we've got a number, that's right, we've got a number of specific objectives uh, around those and work streams that support those pillars. So where do carbon emissions fit within that? Well, surprisingly, or perhaps not, um, they fit into the planet uh, pillar. Right. So you, you mentioned about, in terms of finance, that you know, uh, funding is looking for green sources to invest in currently. What is the, the general trend with that that you're noticing? Um, globally, um, there is a, a massive uptake in terms of sustainable finance. And if we talk about it from an equity and a debt point of view, uh, in terms of equity, i.e. the shares, there are a lot of organisations, managed funds um, and, uh, and indices that are actually investing in companies that have strong sustainability uh, performance and outcomes. On the debt side of things, uh, there is a a big move globally around issuing um, climate bonds, um, SDG bonds, social bonds, um, and so on, uh, which are actually looking to uh, provide investment in projects primarily uh, that are actually going to produce significant uh, sustainability outcomes. What are the climate risks for the organisation? Okay, we've just started to do, we've been working in that area uh, for a couple of years now, and it's very complicated. There are physical risks and there are transition risks for us. So on the physical side of things, 
because we operate in places like Brisbane, uh, which are expected to have uh, more intense, uh, longer duration uh, rainfall events, we'd be, we'll be concerned about things like deterioration of pavements, accelerated deterioration of pavements. So that means that, for example, instead of uh, changing the top what's called the wearing course of the roads, which is usually an, an asphalt cover, every 10 years, perhaps that might change to every eight years. We're also concerned about things like the impact of intense weather events on uh, on the travelling public from a safety point of view and also in terms of um, the amount of traffic um, that's actually uh, on our roads. From a transition risk point of view, we're concerned about things like um, the cost of energy going forward, uh, and also um, expectations uh, from community and other stakeholders around uh, what organisations uh, should be doing uh, to respond to climate change. You mentioned um, before the show that Transurban is primarily a toll collector, a manager of tolls, and you also build highways and roads, but you actually subcontract that work out. Can you tell us how that structure actually works? So we work um, with governments uh, in the areas where we operate, in the markets where we operate in Australia, uh, US and Canada, um, to either uh, go after uh, specific opportunities that they put out there um, in, uh, in a tender uh, kind of arrangement, or we will actually go to governments sometimes and say, uh, we believe that um, the road networks will be more efficient if there is a, a piece of connecting road uh, provided between you know point A and point B. Uh, so uh, there will often be a com- very competitive process um, around that and uh, because governments need to demonstrate that they're getting value for money, uh, so there'll be a, a lot of concern and attention around ensuring that. Uh, and so if we're successful uh, with, um, with securing the rights from government governments to establish those roads, uh, we will then uh, put that work out to tender um, to design and uh, construction contractors to build on our behalf, and we will project manage that process and then uh, operate that completed road. And I understand you've got very good project managers, which you would have to have. Uh, we certainly for do. For those processes. Uh, not much escapes them. <laughs> In terms of the subcontractor work, do you hold? Uh, do you have any sort of requirements of them in terms of sustainable practices? We certainly do. And those requirements are increasing all of the time. All the time. One of the big things that we input, we put into all of our major project contracts is a requirement to achieve sustainability ratings. So in Australia, um, we require all of our major projects to achieve what's called an infrastructure sustainability rating from the Infrastructure Sustainability Council of Australia. And we require that rating at a certain level. And that covers not just environmental considerations, but also social and uh, governance considerations as well. And in the United States, um, we're really excited that um, we're pursuing our first sustainability rating over there uh, for a project in Virginia through um, the uh, Institute for Sustainable Infrastructure through their Envision uh, rating process. So through this Infrastructure Sustainability Council of Australia, Transurban's had some recognition in this area, I believe, and have a nomination for Bankshire Sustainability Awards. 
Yes, we're very excited about that, Natalie. Um, we're a finalist in the large organisation category. And um, uh, hats off to Banksia because they've really gotten behind the sustainable development goals. And uh, we've partnered with them uh, previously on a uh, SDG challenge as well, which was around encouraging carpooling uh, on our roads. So there's a team that is, are currently working um, with various aspects of the ACT government um, to see if they can get some carpooling trials underway there. Um, so, yeah, we're very supportive of Banksia and the work they're doing in that space. So not only is Transurban a finalist, but also ISCA is a finalist in the Banksia Awards and you're on the board of ISCA. Yes, I am. Uh, I'm on the board as a, uh, as a member director and uh, we're very excited about that uh, as an opportunity. Wow. So given the excellent benchmarking that you do and given that globally we have an economic model that is based on infinite growth but we're on a planet that doesn't have infinite resources. Does Transurban or other organisations you've mentioned have strategies for dealing with that conundrum? Absolutely. It's around reducing the impact. It's around transitioning um, the the way that we design and operate uh, motorways, but also ultimately looking at uh, new technology and new solutions that are coming through uh, to reduce emissions significantly. Obviously, we're very interested um, in um, the development of connect- connected and automated vehicles. Um, they will be EVs or hydrogen-based vehicles, so obviously the emissions impact uh, will be significantly lower. Um, we're doing a lot of work around materials, which obviously is the main focus of this discussion. Uh, so there'll be increased, significantly increased recycled content there. So hopefully introducing circular material strategies. So the whole way um, that um, I, I think our sector is thinking about these things is changing. So talking about benchmarking, what other benchmarking does Transurban do? Uh, we participate and we've been participating for quite some time in the Dow Jones Sustainability Index. Um, so this year we've received our rating and we're sitting at number four globally in the world in the transport and transportation infrastructure sector. Mm. Um, and uh, we're in the World Leadership Index as a part of that. We also participate in the Global Real Estate Sustainability Benchmark for Infrastructure, um, where we're uh, number two globally in the motorways uh, group. That's impressive. If you've just tuned in, we're talking to Matthew Brennan from Transurban about their low carbon activities and carbon emissions reductions, and in particular what they've developed in partnership with BZE. So we probably, we've actually been speaking more generally, and we should probably start drilling down into their particular carbon emissions. So Matt, what led to, what was the origins of the work with BZE on your own internal Rethinking Cement report? Um, Natalie, we saw the. Uh, I attended a, a presentation at uh, an ISCA conference in the past, and Michael Lord presented the Rethinking Cement uh, report. And I was really taken by that, and uh, I saw that there was a fantastic opportunity uh, for us to look at, uh, because it was quite general, it was looking at um, at Australia as a whole and not looking at any specific sectors. So I was wondering what might that look like for our work and the motorways, because they are very materials intensive. Uh, we do use a lot of concrete uh, across our networks uh, for uh, for new projects and also for maintenance activities going forward. And uh, given that... Um, Concrete is uh, and, and cement as part of that, as the major part of that, uh, responsible for the greatest amount of emissions in the material sector. We thought that it would be a good thing to actually pursue and see if we can actually bring down those embodied emissions quite dramatically in line with the promise that was shown in the Rethinking Cement report. And, and what have you found? Are, are there possibilities for Transurban? 
Look, there certainly are, and uh, we'll be going after those. And uh, I want to commend the work uh, that Marita Burnt has uh, has uh, led for us uh, with that work, together with uh, Michael kicking it off and uh, and support of uh, Vanessa Petrie. So we're we're uh, we're through all that there are very practical actions uh, that can be taken to dramatically reduce the emissions uh, from, from concrete. So those, those targets are between, say, 50 to 95%, depending on the timeframes that we're looking at. Okay. Worldwide? Oh, no, well, that's from our operations, from, yeah. from yes. our, 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 our concrete. In, in all countries. Concrete. That's right. And oh, well, we'll certainly be focusing on Australia, that the work focused on Australia, because there are very different uh, regulatory and um, uh, industry standards in other countries. Yeah, I'm really curious about those regulatory and industry standard issues and, and how they impact on the targets that are achievable. What, what's the current state of play in Australia with those standards? I think the first thing to remember is that um, the various standards are, have been around for quite some time. They're proven, and uh, obviously we don't want anything to fail on, on motorways where there is uh, a significant travelling public. We, the last thing that we want is to ever put uh, safety standards at risk. Having said that, though, when the standards were developed uh, in the past, uh, they were mainly focused around... Uh, or climate considerations, carbon emissions weren't uh, up there in terms of the considerations. And, so, and possibly the alternative materials weren't as readily available or that's, not, not as prevalent. That's absolutely, that's absolutely true. Um, so I think that um, it's going to be a process of engaging uh, with the road agencies. Many have already started to change their standards uh, to accommodate more recycled content. And uh, so I just think that we need to make sure that... Um, we can uh, guarantee that the, the functional requirements will be met, that um, pavements with different um, approaches, different kinds of materials will last the distance because it's, uh, it doesn't make sense uh, to change the way that things are done, only have, having to go back and replace pavements twice as often as you otherwise would have because that's not a good outcome from that a sustainability undoes, point of view. The so benefits. there's a balancing act there. So is there an R&D um, aspect to this? Look, I believe so. And that is very much underway in a number of jurisdictions. I, I noticed um, we interviewed Tom Gladsby from Wagner's a while ago and one of the examples that he used was the the cement um, sideways that they had on, on the airport up in uh, Queensland, I think it was, and he had a number of examples of where they used neopolymer cement for um, r uh, not runways themselves because he said that wasn't necessary for those. But um, it's a proven product now, it seems. So I'd imagine you'd be able to point to that in terms of road use as well? Um, we, certainly, we certainly will. And I think it's, it's just about understanding where the greatest opportunities exist and... Uh, I'm confident that we'll be able to get some dramatic changes over time, but it will take a while uh, to convince regulators and, uh, and standards writers that it's the best way to go and uh, that we can do it in a way which is not going to affect the functional performance. Are there any plans for having certain roads um, as test beds? Well, there already are patches where um, uh, different materials have been used in, in, uh, on different roadways. Um, so, for example, um, putting the, uh, the focus on concrete to one, to one side for a moment, um, we used a different asphalt pavement in, uh, in Queensland on two projects called EME2. 
and that has um, a uh, around about a 20% emissions reduction compared to normal asphalt. Uh, so it is all those kinds of technologies and approaches are already occurring um, in the Australian market. I was going to ask you about asphalt, so I'll take it up while you've mentioned it. How are those emissions reductions achieved? Is that in the production or in, in the way it's laid? It's a different product altogether. Um, and uh, what essentially it means without going into the, into the detail is that you can use less of it. The thickness is lower. Um, it's a different kind of, uh, of material. And so you can get um, some the similar kinds of functional performance that you require uh, with using less materials, obviously, any reduction in material use, because uh, it's essentially the same kind of material, um, will result in uh, emissions reduction. So are you further down the track with the use of asphalt compared to roadways? Uh, compared to concrete, probably uh, concrete, yes sorry. at this time. Um, but uh, that's where we're hoping to sort of uh, change the equation somewhat and, uh, and start to actually roll out um, some of the very practical strategies uh, that BZD have identified for us. So what timeframes have you identified for achieving that? Um, the BZD report uh, provides two timeframes, 2030 and 2040. Um, so there are two targets uh, proposed for 2030. Um, one of them would be an emission reduction of around about uh, 50% and another one 70% for 2030. That's for, um, new, for new road developments? Uh, no, that would just be around emission reduction associated with um, any new uses of, of concrete um, by that time. Right. Uh, and I think um, the 70% would be the stretch target uh, for that 2030 year. And then for 2040, um, what we're looking at there is the maximum technically feasible reduction at this stage. And that's 95%, which is amazing, really, isn't it? Yeah, uh, that's think technically that you could reduce, feasible now. That's right. Uh, correct. Correct. So obviously, the degree of difficulty is much greater um, because you're talking with that 95% reduction about a major overhaul of standards. Uh, so that will take some time uh, to actually achieve. Is Transurban the main organisation driving those change in standards or are you able to have more of a worldwide approach to that? I'm not sure about worldwide, um, but we will certainly look uh, to partner with our key uh, suppliers. Um, so really excitingly, a lot of the concrete companies are doing some fantastic work uh, in this space. And I want to congratulate um, uh, Wholesome. Uh, one of the major con concrete providers uh, in Australia, for their work on environmental product declarations. Um, that's really important because that provides a level playing field with describing the emissions associated with different concrete mixes uh, that they provide. And so you can then compare like for like and look at the emissions reductions that are available. So we will certainly be encouraging other major concrete manufacturers to go down similar paths and produce EPDs for their products so that you can um, compare apples with apples. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I don't know anything about it. What does that... An environmental product declaration. Um, so there's a, there's a particular um, internationally agreed approach uh, using uh, life cycle uh, assessment to identify the specific emissions um, associated with um, the extraction of material, the production of the material uh, and the use of the material. And it enables you to understand exactly how much emissions are produced or the quantity of emissions uh, for that particular product based on the kinds of constituents uh, within that particular product. Mm, fantastic. Good way to track them. So materials and cement is only a very small component of transurban's emissions. Uh, what are the other aspects that contribute to emissions and, and what are your plans around those? Well, the biggest 
The biggest source of emissions for us is Scope 2 uh, relating to electricity use. Can I just take a step back? Generally, Australian companies have to um, uh, mention the Scope 1 and Scope 2 emissions they have every year. They they, have they to only provide... have to, Kay, if they are subject to the National Greenhouse and Energy Reporting Scheme. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Which is voluntary? No, that, that's not voluntary. No, okay. If you reach a certain threshold with your emissions, then you're required to report legally. It's a certain legally. threshold, isn't it? Yeah. However... I think the vast majority of, of corporates these days are reporting voluntarily on their emissions. Okay. So we have scope one, which scope is... Scope one is fuel use primarily. And scope two? Electricity use. And then now there's scope three as well, which isn't mandatory reporting. Well, no. Um, not, not for anger. No, scope three isn't. But Transurban is doing a lot of work around scope three emissions. Absolutely. Essentially. Now scope Absolutely. three is... Scope three for us is around um, primarily the embodied emissions in materials and also um, the emissions that are uh, caused by contractors when they're actually developing and building uh, our road assets. So, so which scope do road users' emissions fall they into? They are <laughs> our scope three emissions because um, under the definition, under the uh, the greenhouse gas protocols, um, where it's it, those scope three emissions are associated with the use of sold products and we're not actually selling the vehicles. So the tailpipe emissions uh, from customers are, uh, are scope three. Okay. Oh, so sorry, aren't scope three. Aren't scope three, which is ironic, isn't it? Because you, it is. you, you have a lot of influence however, on, on their emissions. However, having said that, though, we take great pains when we're actually designing motorways to do things like reducing the grades so that engines aren't labouring and producing unnecessary emissions. And often scope three is much higher than in either scope one or scope two Absolutely. Emissions. Absolutely. It is for us, certainly. It's about oh, six or seven times higher. Six or seven times. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and um, and the road users' emissions, what? Um, um, they're about eight times higher than our combined scope one and okay. two. Okay. So there's Whoa. some real issues with our emissions accounting systems, aren't there, in terms of who who actually wields the levers? There are. And that's why we can't wait for the more rapid uptake of electric vehicles. Oh. <laughs> now, not that we've got vested interests, but are you going to I don't know about that, EV Kay. Driver? Not from what I saw you driving. <laughs> So, um, yeah, when are the reduced tolls for um, EV users coming in, Matt? <laughs> um, well, the, there are reduced tolls in uh, Montreal. Really? Um, so if you, <laughs> We've if got you a travel there, um, There's a partnership underway with the uh, Quebec provincial government um, to uh, look at free tolling for electric vehicles on the A25 motorway, which we operate over there. Um, in Australia, um, there aren't any specific arrangements uh, for free tolling of EVs. Or any uh, subsidies on any level. No, that's right. No government subsidies, unfortunately. On that sad note, we need to wrap up the discussion for today. Thank you so much for your time, Matt. And as always, it just things are really getting interesting and we have to call a stop. But thank you for coming in. Thank you so much, Natalie. Thank you uh, very much, Kay. And thank you to BZE. Thanks very much. We've been speaking to Matthew Brennan, Head of Sustainability at Transurban. The Beyond Zero show is brought to you by the climate change solutions think tank Beyond Zero Emissions and is recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and syndicated around Australia on the community radio network. Previous episodes of the show are available on iTunes and Stitcher. Please subscribe to help others find the show. If you enjoy the program and can donate to cover airtime costs and keep us on the air, please go to the BZE website and click on the donate button. Thanks for listening and we look forward to you joining us again next week. Beyond Zero Emissions is an internationally recognised climate solutions think tank that is focused on solutions, not problems. Become part of the solution by becoming a monthly base load supporter. 
go to www.bze.org.au to find out more. bze.org.au You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.